This, 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 this is mythical. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Dude, I'm going to 21 Savage with my nephew, Keon, and we are so hyped to see him. You have no idea. Uh, while you're doing that, Nicole, I'm going to be storming through the party like my name is El Nino because I'm going to be seeing some 41. <laughs> skate Punk is back, and it's not Pop Punk. It is Skate Punk, but also they have so many more artists to choose from. You got Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Nicole, you're not ready for this one. <gasps> Who is it? The Kids Bob Kids, baby. No way. <laughs> Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. That's right. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Cosmic Crisp Apples, Cotton Candy Grapes, Sugar Kiss Melons, heck, cuties. Are these brand name fruits really worth the extra money or is it just clever marketing designed to sell more of the same thing? This is a hot dog as a sandwich. Ketchup is a smoothie. Yeah, I put ice in my cereal, so what? That makes no sense. A hot dog is a sandwich. A hot dog is a sandwich. <laughs> what? Welcome to our podcast, A Hot Dog is a Sandwich, the show where we break down the world's biggest food debates. I'm your host, Josh Sher. And I'm your host, Nicole Hendizade. And today we are getting to the bottom of the issue around designer fruit. Now, for those of you unfamiliar, this can range from simple selective breeding of different plants, something farmers have been doing since the beginning of farming, to full-fledged genetic modifications in labs to create downright alien, albeit delicious, fruit-like objects in a variety of shapes. This trend in produce has been the source of price gouging as well, with some species selling for hundreds of dollars. I know I have a lot of feelings around them, but first, Nicole, what you think? Okay, so... As a girl who enjoys designer things, <laughs> okay, listen, if I can, okay, I'm gonna break it down for you. I could buy a pair of black heels for like 20 bucks and be happy about it. Or I can buy a pair of Christian Louboutin heels for $800 and no one can know that I'm wearing them other than me and feel good about it. Same concept with eating a regular green grape and a cotton candy grape, my guy. <laughs> okay. Wait. <laughs> are, are Louboutins the red bottoms yes, that Cardi B refers to? Yes. That's, okay, that's I understand it. that reference. Um, <laughs> I am someone who my entire wardrobe is exclusively from Target. And Old Navy. Nicole, this, sh this shirt that you see me wearing and you can't see my shorts, they were both for under $20 at Target. So I am not someone who understands the designer appeal of literally anything except for designer fruits. Yeah, Christian Louboutin, not a sponsor yet. We're getting there, Nicole. We're going to get you free pairs of red bottoms. Oh okay? my gosh. Don't <laughs> just keep saying that into the universe. I will be a happy woman. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm bougie in my own specific ways. I don't understand designer labels. Uh, but you do understand designer fruit, don't you? I do understand designer fruit. I love them. And the reason we're even talking about this right now is because for whatever reason during quarantine, you know how um, this is going to take a weird turn. You know, sometimes pregnant women eat dirt. Yeah, it's called pica. Pica, right? Mm -hmm. It's like your body recognizes that it's missing a certain nutrient and you kind of start eating weird things sure. that you normally wouldn't eat because, say, there's like iron found in soil and stuff like that. Yes. That has been me, but with designer fruits in <laughs> quarantine times. <laughs> For whatever, I don't know if it's the fact that like, since restaurants are closed, I suddenly have, you know, more money that I'm not spending on restaurants. So I go to Whole Foods hmm. and I see not only cotton candy grapes that you mentioned are absolutely delicious. So they are like green table grapes. Um, I actually did some research on this. They were uh, a simple crossbreed of two different grape species and the 
botanist who developed it is actually trying to recreate original grape flavors that were lost due to like monolithic cultivation. And so it's really fascinating, but you eat them and it gives you this kind of like aroma of cotton candy. And they're sold in this neat little package that says cotton candy emblazoned on it. And they're like three times as expensive as normal grapes. I rung up my cotton candy grapes at Whole Foods and it was just like a normal sized bag of grapes. And it was like nine fifty. Oh yeah. And I was just like, well, these are my Louboutin heels of grapes. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just really good marketing. But also, do you remember learning about Punnett squares in school? About how like we like like they crossbred like one <laughs> stock of peas with another stock. Are they pea stocks? Yeah, dude, we totally had the same textbook. I I remember that exact page. Yeah. It was a scientist named L- Linnaeus. Yeah, and it's a it's it's a square cut into four quadrants, and uh, it's the green, 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 and then in the bottom left corner was a yellow. Uh, pea stock and then from that yeah. like the world changed forever so <laughs> this is just that times a million billion trillion i just think it's so interesting how people are willing to spend three times the amount of a regular bag of grapes to buy something that's designer but aside from the side that it's designer it tastes really good and it tastes really unique and i think as humans we always try to find something that's unique and new and interesting that others haven't tried before because we just want to be better than everybody else it's true i agree with that and that's been like the history of farming Mm -hmm. in general right like everyone talks about the the bananas that we eat today are one specific cultivar because that was what was growing best in guatemala at the time so if you take a banana 100 years ago it's going to taste nothing like the bananas that we eat today ditto with tomatoes right we talked about this in the pizza episode where people in europe thought tomatoes were poisonous because they're a member of the nightshade family and i'm sure they looked vastly vastly different than they do today, even including the heirloom varieties. Like, they're nothing like the tomatoes that were grown before. Yeah. Watermelons used to be, like, a quarter of the size. Full of seeds and, like, full of, like, their own little, like, holes and stuff. Weird-looking, weird-looking fruits. Yeah, so, like, the history of human farming innovation has been from this crossbreeding stuff. But, like, the real innovation for all this is, like you said, the marketing. Which is crazy, because it... My big question, if you tasted the cotton candy grapes without the branding of cotton candy, if you just bought like normal ass green grapes, would you have tasted them and gone, ah, that's cotton candy. I'm like a kid at the carnival again where I threw up on the tilt-a-whirl and I kissed my best gal on the whatever whirly bird ride. (laughs) No, of course not. I probably wouldn't taste the difference in a blind taste. I'd just be like, these grapes are sweeter. (laughs) Yeah, I'd just be like, oh, weird grapes. Yeah, these are some weird grapes. Are these old grapes? That's probably what I would say to myself. Are these like old over-ripened grapes. Oh, I have a question for you, actually. Um, do they genetically enhance the sweetness of fruits recently? Is that something yeah, that well, they that's, do? Yeah, well, that's part of the crossbreeding. Like, mm-hmm. literally, you take the sweetest, you know, variety of a fruit, and then you crossbreed that with another sweet variety of fruit, and then you just kind of perfect that technique. And you see that a lot with uh, with apples, actually. Totally. Cosmic big, crisps, like, your favorite. Honeycrisp. Honeycrisp is Honeycrisp, your favorite, Honeycrisp are, are the best apple on the market and it turns out Honeycrisps were invented in, like, 1991. They were a crossbreed of two, like, somewhat obscure apple varieties. <laughs> and then they found out that when you crossbred them, they created a sweeter fruit. But not only that, they created a juicier fruit because the size of the cells were actually bigger. So you're getting, like, bigger cell pops in your mouth yeah. when you eat them. But the problem with Honeycrisp apples is that they don't ship well. And I think I it's because see. of a large cell structure and a thin skin, which makes them so delicious. But that's why the most the most fascinating story in this designer fruit thing, and we're getting to an actual point about society <laughs> at, at some at some time of this. But right now, I, like this to me is like uh, an album hype drop. What happened with the Cosmic Crisp Apple? 
So this is an apple that has been in development for the last like 20 years at the Washington State. It's literally like an apple husbandry lab that yeah. they have. They've invested almost half a billion dollars into planting these cosmic crisp apples that is a crossbreed of the Honeycrisp apple and the Enterprise apple. They took the sweetest apple in the world and then they took like the, the sturdiest apple in the world and they're like, what if we can crossbreed them to create a sweet apple that's sturdy enough to ship and hold and not brown and all that. And they put $10 million into a national marketing campaign. Wow. They called it the Cosmic Crisp apple which just like sounds absolute fire and i remember going to whole foods and seeing it and i was just like it was like uh, it was like when yeezys dropped yeah you know and everyone was waiting in line at supreme that was me at whole foods except <laughs> there was no line because i'm the only weirdo who is like stoked on this new apple you were and i ate it you were camping out outside of whole foods is what you're saying yeah with like hey bro you heard the new cosmic crisp drop <laughs> i heard i heard that apple sturdy af <laughs> Uh, and I ate it and I was just like, yeah, that's an apple. <laughs> and it was like, it was this kind of disappointment that like, we have built up nature using, you know, uh, marketing and hype and all this and packaging. And it's like, we're trying to like build just natural things that grow in the world up to this, you know, incredibly vaunted item. And then you try it and you're like, yo, that's just an apple. <laughs> exactly. It's just a fruit. But is it worth it is what we're saying. You should talk. You know what we should talk about? We should talk about the culture, the fruit culture in Japan. Yo. Yeah. Because they, they sell like like million dollar melons million yen that's a million yen is like nine dollars i don't know how money works <laughs> so i haven't done uh, my taxes yet. the most expensive fruits ever we have a list in front of us the densuki watermelon sold at the sebikaya flagship store in tokyo for 121 dollars can you imagine buying a watermelon for 121 dollars my mom would beat my ass. let's see <laughs> sakai ichi apple 21 dollars for a single apple can you believe that? I'd do it. I would absolutely do that. I would I would be that person who is buying a $21 apple. The, and I would feel I would feel no qualms. The only way I've seen these strawberries that they make in Japan, yo, that's the only fruit I would spend over $50 to eat 12 of. That's it. <laughs> Why? What is it? Like, actually try and psychoanalyze yourself. What is it about those strawberries that would make you spend $50 a pop? To be honest, I'm not the biggest fruit person. I don't love fruit. I much rather prefer to eat vegetables and fruits. But there's something about pristine, beautiful strawberries that are huge and the leaves are green and they're packaged love like in a lovely way and they're just sitting in this foam that you know it's good quality foam and just picking it up <laughs> and like just nomming on a strawberry that was worth more than like i don't know a steak dinner is like something else but i'm not gonna spend 120 dollars for a watermelon never that. i would no what? you wouldn't okay here's my thing so wine right wine people have no problem spending hundreds of dollars on a bottle of wine it's become like this huge culture but the value of wine it's like the value of fine art or jewelry or something where it's literally just it's nothing it's like if you set a price, I mean, certainly there's, you know, uh, different labor costs that go into wines and different marketing and bottling and all that. But like the value is largely completely subjective. And that's why I feel like why not? Why isn't fruit treated with the same value as something like wine? You know, I think I know why. Like, I think it has to do with like food scarcity, maybe, or like the actual like labor that goes into the fruit picking. That could be it. I think that's that's uh, why we might have a little bit of like a. What's it called? A stalemate? Like, is that what it's called? Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't, va the value of the fruit and the actual labor that goes into cultivating and foraging the fruit does not match. 
And I think that's why I'm a little bit resistant to designer fruit. But I do love cuties. <laughs> and I'll eat a cutie. Okay, so you said you're not a big fruit person. I... When I was a kid, I thought I legitimately hated fruit. Yeah. Like, that was the thing. It was, like, uh, one of those things I grew up on. Like, I thought I hated salmon and steak just because my parents didn't know how to cook. So, I'd only eaten, like, well-done London broil until I was 15 years old. Gross. And, like, did it with salmon. Right? Uh, but same with fruit. We're, like, we only, we didn't have any fresh produce in the house growing up. Because, like, my parents were total boomers where they were, like, excited about the idea of canned foods and prepackaged mayonnaise and stuff. And so, I only ate canned mandarin oranges mm. for fruit. I would eat six cans at a time time just packed in sweet syrup and i would take the syrup as a shot afterwards because i was like it's healthy it's fruit i'm sure now we know it's all just packed in sugar and all that but the only fresh fruit i would eat would be like from the school lunch line and they just have the crappiest red delicious apples possible and the like pithiest rindiest oranges that like you'd have to i remember in school just like digging my thumbs into the orange to try and peel it until my thumbnails bled you'd have to bite the outside of the orange to get to it yeah yeah it's terrible and i think my biggest concern and i'm i want to know if there's actual like practical application to make the world a better place, I guess, on designer fruits, right? And cuties, I think, are the best example of this in my own life. I literally thought I hated eating fresh oranges because of the crappy oranges I got from school. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, you're a kid who you're getting all your information about nutrition and diet and all that from school, and you're like, well, (laughs) they're telling me I got to eat fruit, but the fruits they're giving me, like, completely suck. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Sure. But then I remember going to, like, uh, going to Ralph's with my dad and seeing, you know, these little cuties, the clementines, which are just a breed of mandarin orange that were originally grown in Algeria. And they've been around for a long, long time. I didn't know about them until they slapped like this happy, smiling orange mascot that, you know, might as well have been a, a, a kid's cereal mascot. And I was just like, I'm a cutie. Eat me. I'm good for you, small, impressionable young boy. <laughs> And then I got them and I was like, holy crap, these are easy to peel and they're delicious and I feel good about buying them because there's an orange freaking smiling at me on the package. And so like, I don't know, can we use manipulating children to get them to eat healthier, I suppose? We, well, we manipulate children to make bad decisions like, you know, Toucan Sam on the Fruit Loops box and, you know, yeah. uh, the Captain. It's not even Captain Crunch. It's Captain Crunch, right? Captain. Captain. Yeah, C-A-P apostrophe N. Did, did Captain Crunch, I, did he actually attain that military rank? All I know is you know that he's the face that launched a thousand ships. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that like a tagline that they have? I No, I think it's from make- a movie about sirens. I might be wrong, though. No, I think, Joan, I think it's- Joan of Arc is... No, some woman had a face that launched... H- Helen thousand- of Troy. Thank you. Joan of Arc, Helen, Helen of, of Troy, Troy from, potato, potato. From the Iliad. From the Iliad by Homer. You are confusing classical <laughs> Greek poetry with uh, breakfast cereal. Oh, that's so me. That's so you. That's, that's so-, so us. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan said, although Cap'n Crunch is allegedly a Cap'n, he wears an admiral's hat. That's stolen valor. Yeah, go, he can go to jail Cap'n for Crunch, that, can he? He can go to jail for that, yeah. There needs to be, like, some sort of doxing campaign on Cap'n Crunch to get him to stop wearing that stuff out there. Yeah, because let's, that's, let's start an online so, petition, Josh. <laughs> we need to strip Cap'n Crunch of his military rank. We need to tie him up in the brig and get him to answer for his war crimes. <laughs> Put him in the brig. Oh, my God. Captain Morgan and Admiral Nelson will be there on the tribunal to judge him. 
We're so excited to introduce you to Great Jones. Great Jones makes high-quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that's so stunning, you won't want to put it away. From Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to non-stick sheet pans, they've got you covered. Heck yeah, they do. Their products come in a variety of amazing colors, from classic black and white to pinks, greens, yellows, and blues. And the best part, Nicole... Everything's non-toxic. Josh, I've been in the market for a kettle for months. Yeah, I've heard you talk about it a weird amount. Yeah, I've bought like a bunch, returned a bunch, but I just got my hands on the Great Jones Fellow Kettle collab, and I got it in the color broccoli, and I'm so excited to make artisanal teas and coffees. I'm trying to get on my coffee game right now, and I'm Mm. so excited to use a gooseneck kettle. We have no idea. I'm excited to use their yellow hot dish, a.k.a. casserole dish. Shout out to Minnesota and Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, But I'm, I'm at that point in my life where I'm like, I'm an adult. I should have nice vessels to serve food out of instead of just serving it on like stainless steel restaurant style things. And I like it. It's cute. It's got a good design. Bakes really well. Holds heat. I'm in, baby. And once you try Great Jones, you'll want to share it with friends. They make stunning gifts that are actually useful. Weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays. It's the perfect gift for the foodie in your life. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code SANDWICH. That's greatjones.com, promo code SANDWICH. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. But no, like you said, we're, we manipulate kids through packaging all the time. I remember when I was a kid, uh, the the biggest thing, um, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. We can all universally recognize that that was a fantastic series yeah. and well cast and well made. And it was fantastic. They came out with Pop-Tarts that were like wild Spidey Berry flavored or whatever. Okay. And it had Tobey Maguire's face, which for me apparently was very important to buy Pop-Tarts <laughs> with Tobey Maguire's face on it. Aww. And they were just these like artificially dyed blue and purple, had a vague web pattern on the frosting, you know? Yeah. But what if they would have taken Tobey Maguire's face and, I don't know, slapped it on a head of cabbage? Yeah. I would have... I would have bought Tobey Maguire cabbage when I was 10 years old. Yeah, I think, I I mean, I think this is a chance where, like, we need to shift over from advertising for sugary children foods like Pop-Tarts and toaster strudels and move it to, you know, cabbage and broccoli. Because kids really don't eat, isn't there, like, a study that says that kids don't eat as much vegetables as they used to? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, like, consistently dropping. And that's, you know, there's there are so many reasons for that, like, as more people enter the workforce there's just like less time to feed kids totally and like you know the school system doesn't actually educate people about you know I, I remember getting so many lessons about nutrition and like here's what you should eat and here's what you shouldn't eat but there was never any like practical plan sure i'm just like here's how to cook fresh vegetables here's how to buy them here's literally any usable information they're like hey you should eat fresh fruits and vegetables uh all right now go to lunch and suck down this melted chocolate milkshake and a piece of pizza and that was like all the instruction that we got isn't pizza a a vegetable (laughs) pizza is okay so there is a pizza lobby in america 
Which my backup plan is just to become a pizza lobbyist. Oh my gosh. Like, I don't know them. Hold on, hold on. Don't you dare judge me. All right, you over here rocking your Louboutin heels. <laughs> I don't that money have any yet. Charity. I don't have any yet. <laughs> this is the plan. They're but supposed the, to sponsor us. The pizza lobby in America, their primary focus for a period of time, I always thought it was to get pizza classified as a vegetable. And then I actually started researching this. It was already classified as a vegetable. The pizza lobby's job was to get it to be classified as two vegetable. They wanted, they were so greedy that they wanted pizza to be classified as two servings of vegetables so kids didn't have to take another serving of vegetables at lunch because that was part of Michelle Obama's Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act that was like kids have to get at least two servings of vegetables at lunch. And the pizza lobby was like, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, a slice of pizza, that's two vegetables. And they were like, how do you figure? And they were like, well, tomatoes is a vegetable, which we'll talk about that in a different podcast. But they were like, tomatoes is a vegetable, uh-huh. and we use pure tomato paste on our pizza, so we're concentrating the tomatoes into two vegetable. Oh my gosh, that's really wrong. That's actually it, so incredibly wrong. It makes me physically ill. It's diabolical. It's re- that's, it is. that's screwed up on like another level. Why don't you put some mushrooms on the pizza and then it's a serving of mushrooms. That's how it's two servings of vegetables, you dummies. Because kids won't eat it. I mean, that's this is it's always a chicken or egg situation, though, right? It's like, do kids actually hate vegetables or have we made kids hate vegetables by giving them crappy vegetables? Oh, see, I don't know. Maybe it's just, well, I always think about Brussels sprouts whenever I think about gross vegetables because they taste like uh, green farts, you know? Wait, do, do you still hate Brussels sprouts? No, I like them a lot now because I learned how to cook them and I learned how to yeah. eat them, to be honest. And, you know, I think it's, it's we just don't teach kids how to enjoy vegetables. And I think that's the issue, which is why we just take the easy way out and say, pizza, vegetables. Pizza, it's t- Two vegetables, not one. Waxy apple. Enjoy. (laughs) I have this theory. I have this theory that if we were to, especially in the school system, but also a lot at home, cook vegetables the way that we cook meat and then cook meat the way that we cook vegetables, we could flip the entire perception that kids have about them. So you want to boil chicken and roast veggies? You're crazy, man. Not even roast. No, no, no. I want to get even deeper on this. I want to... Because if you think about the meats that they serve in school, right, they're all processed, formed, all this stuff coming from Tyson and Cisco Uh and all that. Like the only chicken that we had at school was preformed breaded chicken patties that are, you know, super salted and mixed with fillers and all that. What if we did that, but with vegetables and you just took like cauliflower, salted the hell out of it, turned into a patty, deep fried it, served it in a bun. Kids would have no idea that it was even vegetables, but you could say this is a cauliflower patty and then you serve them a side of just boiled plain beef And then you're going to rewire kids' brains. Nicole, I am pro-brainwashing children. Let the record state (laughs) that I think it is our our moral imperative as adults to brainwash children because they are constantly being brainwashed by alternative factors. So, like you said, like with Tobey Maguire's face. Yes. You know, every kid wants to be respected and loved by Tobey Maguire. That is a fact of life that I know. So when you put his face on Pop-Tarts, that is brainwashing kids to want Tobey Maguire's love, like the love of their own father, to buying, you know, sugary processed food. So you want to make cauliflower patties with some sad processed beef on the side and a cutie. That's what you Correct. want. That's what to, you to want. To me, That's... that is what mm-hmm. an imperfect but practical future of American school lunch looks like. So you're trying to deter kids from liking meat so they can like I mean, vegetables more. So their diets yeah. can include more vegetables. You know... That's not a bad idea. 
It's not a bad idea. No, I don't right? think that's a bad idea at all. I think your your brainwash technique will actually be very, very useful. The only issue with that is, is that we don't have as much money going through the lobbyists of cauliflower as we do for <laughs> beef, chicken, pork. That's the issue. No, that, that totally is the issue. And that's like why we find ourselves in, you know, uh, this whole dietary crisis that we have in America. And I understand, you know, food is a personal choice and all that. And I fully believe like as an adult, you're free to do what you want. But like, when it comes to, you know, kids making decisions, there's a moral imperative. Like so many other countries have passed anti-junk food restriction, uh, anti-junk food advertising restrictions to kids. Like during, you know, Saturday morning cartoons, mm-hmm. you can't advertise any foods that have over a certain percentage of calories from sugar. That's a great you know, idea. That. Why don't we do that here? Frick. <laughs> because we like, we value profits over lives. Uh, is the general consensus on that. Gross! But there are some people that, like, Star Wars, or I guess uh, Disney now owns Star Wars, Disney and the Dole Corporation. In 2017, Disney launches the Unite for a Healthy Galaxy campaign with Dole. So they launched it in congruence with the premiere of The Last Jedi, and they took, like, you know... Uh, BB-8 stickers and slapped it on cuties, and Love they took that. they took other Star Wars characters like uh, Darth Vader or whatever, and like put it on some iceberg lettuce. And so they're actively trying to fight fire with fire and trying to brainwash kids in the right direction. Is it great for us to you know uh, want to have parenting duties put on the Dole and Disney corporations? No, but I think it might be you know not the worst idea at this point yeah i also think it just starts at home you know like just make your kid like do what my mom does my mom cuts me to this day a big bowl of fruit and puts it in front of me goes eat this nikord it's good for you and honestly i used to hate it i used to be like no i don't want it it's gross i actually used to throw away all the fruits i'm such a bad child no. i used to take my mom used to cut me f- apples and and like carrots and cucumbers and i would just throw it in the garbage but now i'm so (laughs) thankful that she did that because i now know how important fruits are even if i know i don't like them i'll still eat them because i know that she made it for me so it starts at home i'm all for it no no if cotton candy grapes make you happy if more kids if you can trick a child (laughs) into eating more fruit by telling them that it is cotton candy grapes there's also another one that just came out super hype grape drop called gummy berry grapes oh man! so they're literally trying to make it sound like the word gummy bear but adding the name of another fruit to trick kids into buying grapes i am all for that i am pro designer fruit i will spend five dollars a pound which albeit is not great for getting low-income people to you know eat fruit and all that but i will spend five dollars a pound on designer fruits designed to brainwash children into eating more of them that is my official party stance on this i will not waver more brainwashing kids more delicious designer fruit that vaguely tastes like candy insofar as you're influenced to believe it does i'm gonna go set up a tent outside of whole foods so we can get those red gummy grapes let's do it i'll i'll, I'll bring some beers <laughs> All right, Nicole, we've heard what you and I have to say. Now it is time to find out what other wacky ideas are rattling around there in the Twitterverse. It's time for a segment we call Opinions, Opinions are, are Like Casseroles. Everyone's got one and they smell like onions. You're very proud of yourself, aren't you? We make me giggle. I hope we make <laughs> you giggle too. First up, we got at Synthwise. Warm SpaghettiOs with meatballs eaten by the chipful, specifically Kroger brand SpaghettiOs and Chipotle tortilla chips, is greater than the sum of its parts. Okay, one, Chipotle tortilla chips, they used to be better. I swear I, I cannot really? verify this. 
but I swear they used to be better and they would fry them fresh in the stores and they would put the lime, like fresh lime yeah, juice yeah, and yeah. salt in the bags and shake it. And so Chipotle tortilla chips used to be the best tortilla chips in the game. They've taken a hit recently, in my opinion, um, probably after the E. coli outbreak. They're still pretty good. I love the idea of a warm dip for chips, like a warm tomato-based dip. So I can really see this working. I've never done it. Also, I may go Tostitos scoops instead of that. Oh. And I don't particularly like SpaghettiOs, yeah. but I like this idea. I like this idea. I think this is a great idea. I, for one, hate canned spaghetti. I think it's an abomination <laughs> beyond the mental sphere of my brain. But like, do you, man? And you know, Kroger has really, really good like dupes for chips and stuff like that. So I'm all for oh, it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I ate... I, I've been thinking a lot about my relationship to pasta. Yeah, what about? I don't that? think I don't. <laughs> I don't think I like al dente pasta. Oh, that's okay. Every every time I've eaten like perfectly al dente pasta, you know, with that like slight kind of chew to it, I'm just like, you know, I wish this was more overcooked. And I don't think it's just because I have soft teeth. I think it's just a preference. Yeah, it's that's okay. You're allowed to like mushier foods. That's your prerogative, I dude. Mushy spaghetti yesterday with some leftover canned crab. And it was delicious. That sounds fancy. Mm, I'm a fancy boy. Okay. Ringo Stardust 37 says, Weber's horseradish mustard on fresh baked chocolate chip cookies are the best thing my dad ever discovered. (laughs) What? (laughs) I don't, I don't, I do not consent to this kind of weird behavior. (laughs) Horseradish on chocolate chip cookies. Okay. You can, okay. So actually horseradish and wasabi in general works really, really well with dark chocolate. They, they, really, really uh, accent one another. And it's similar to spearmint and peppermint in that like it kind of opens up your nasal passages and it allows for more air to pass through so you can get the true essence of the chocolate. But this doesn't work for chocolate chip cookies, man. This is, this is stupid. I don't know, dude. I'm, I've never tried this particular combination, but I do agree. Like you said, like it, it kind of opens up, you know, the olfactory senses yep. and gets you to experience chocolate in a different way. The best dessert I have ever had was at Providence. I was not paying there with my own money. It was a very <laughs> fancy restaurant in LA. And the pastry sh- chef comes out and she's like, this dessert is simply called honey mustard. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. So inspired like McDonald's honey mustard. And she was like, no, I was on this pastoral hill in the Rhone River Valley. Ugh. And I noticed that there were wild mustard flowers growing and bees would have pollinate them. And I thought, you know, to replicate nature. But anyways, it was just like this kind of spicy mustard ice cream, whatever with honey. And like the combination of a horseradishy mustard and sweet it's actually really, really good. I've never had it in chocolate chip cookies. Uh, this is a, another part of the spectrum to that pastoral Rhone River Valley thing. But I really want to try this. It sounds good. All right. At Dr. 211, dipping Doritos in Mott's applesauce like salsa is a great snack and flavor combination. It's sounds like a Cheeto apple pie, which you can watch on Mythical Kitchen. <laughs> oh, wait, that is true. Yeah, this yeah. is essentially the same thing. Literally. This, though, it seems like a scene from something like, uh, what was that Will Smith movie where he's fighting the zombies? It's not iRobot because that was about Will Smith fighting robots. Uh, iZombie. No, iCarly. No, no. Zombieland. No, no, Gen no. Z- World War Z. Ryan's probably typing it no, in the no, Slack no, right no, now. No, 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 no. I am legend. I am legend. Oh, I am legend. I was going to say bad boys for life. You thought Will Smith fights zombies in bad boys? Yeah, Martin Lawrence is a zombie in that movie. Is that like a deep cut <laughs> analysis of it that I didn't get? Because I thought they were just two bad boy police officers doing anything they needed to do to take down the bad guys. <laughs> you were saying? <laughs> I was saying. 
<laughs> Dipping Doritos in Mott's applesauce seems like a scene from like I Am Legend where the apocalypse has happened and they're like, remember chips and salsa? All we got now is Doritos and Mott's. <laughs> but not bad. Not bad. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. I, this makes sense to me in the way that Cheeto apple pie makes sense to me and that it doesn't make sense, but you can enjoy it. <laughs> Razzle dazzle ya says, my guilty pleasure food is grape jelly and puffy Cheeto sandwich on Wonder Bread. The sweet of the jelly, soft bread, crunchy Cheetos. It's delightful. I know it sounds gross, but just try it, Josh. Nicole, try it. <laughs> I love when people wow. talk like that in, in, in these comments, because it's like, they're really trying to get us to try it, but they don't know that like the adverse will happen if you mention our names. So <laughs> Wait, you feel that way? I feel the opposite. I feel so personally connected to Razzle Dazzle Ya that they mentioned us by name that I feel, you know, inclined to actually no, do it. No, it's because they're trying too hard to get us to try it. And I don't need that in my life. Don't try so hard. Just say it with confidence. Say it with, <laughs> say it with your chest and you don't need to mention us by name and we'll do it. No, Nicole, you're <laughs> saying that the harder people try and connect with you, the more you push them away. That's right. Do you think that's because you're afraid of your own emotionally intimate relationships? I'm just people, trying to talk or? about jelly and Cheeto sandwiches <laughs> right now. Don't need to psychoanalyze your co-host. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all jokes aside, this sounds good because I like doing trash things like this. And Wonder Bread is like a clean slate. You know, you can do whatever you want to Wonder Bread. So I approve Wonder of Bread, this. I don't know if there is a better cake on this planet <laughs> than a slice of Wonder Bread. I fully, I don't know if you noticed this, but on set the other day, I was a hankering for something sweet mm -hmm. and we had a loaf of Wonder Bread and I grabbed a loaf of one, I grabbed a slice of Wonder Bread and I smeared Duncan Hine, no, Pillsbury white frosting on it and just ate it. And to me, that is a cake. It is delicious. I love Wonder Bread. It's like scientifically developed to just make your brain happy with its texture and flavor. It's delicious. Cheetos and grape jelly. Salty sweet. I don't always agree with that combination or that logic, but I can see this really working. I'd enjoy it. I love throwing chips in a sandwich too. That was oh, the yeah. height of culinary innovation. Oh, There's an yeah. episode of Boy Meets World. Mm -hmm. Did you watch Boy Meets World? Of course I did. There's an episode where uh, Corey's dad, like, they were supposed to go to a baseball game, but then like things came up at work and they had to cancel. And it was like this Aww. very special episode where it was like, sometimes you got to make concessions in life, you stupid idiot, Corey. But then his dad like pulls him out of school the next day to stay up late to watch a baseball game. And he makes a sandwich with chips in it. And that was like him showing his fatherly love. Oh, that's really cute. I just go to Bay Cities and put my chips in my sandwich. Yo, God, that sounds so good right now. Yeah, I'm on God, Bay Cities I want a Bay right City now. sandwich. Can we go to Bay Cities uh. before we go to work? <laughs> You're closer. Can you pick it up? I'm serious. If you let me come a little bit later to work, I'll get you a sandwich. This isn't part of the podcast. This is just me and Nicole coordinating our lunch. This is uh, just being fat. Actually, just order it for delivery right now. We're not doing anything. Oh, no, I'll go get it. We'll finish the podcast. Okay, yeah, the yeah, podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay, okay, we got it. Get me a, a godmother. Okay, sure. Um, spice, spicy godmother. Okay. Uh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> At BC Krogoth. I love them, but sloppy joes are just beanless chili sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. This is what I like to call the chili equivocation paradox. It's something we've talked about. <laughs> it's something we've talked about many times on the podcast that the word chili no longer means anything because it has been so far bastardized from the idea of chile con carne, mm -hmm. the original like Mexican Tejano recipe for it. And so, like, if you take something like Cincinnati chili, which is a little bit sweeter, a little bit more vinegary, I can see how you would think Sloppy Joes are beanless chili sandwiches. But I don't believe that. That's like, I, I think Sloppy Joes are American uh, larb sandwiches. 
right? You can oh you can God, spin I this. Oh my God, I love LARB. I LARB LARB. I LARB I LARB, LARB so much. You know, Night, Night Market makes a hat that says I LARB LARB. What? Okay, well, I guess we got to get that hat so I can add it to my really, really cool restaurant merch collection <laughs> that I'm trying to accumulate. Have you noticed that? I, yo, Julia just got me a Genghis Cohen hat. Oh my gosh. Uh, David just got me an In-N-Out t-shirt. <laughs> That's so funny. This is our, our, me and Nicole's love language is just novelty restaurant merchandise. That's <laughs> so true. But yeah, I, I love sloppy joes too, but not any ground meat in flavor sauce can just be considered beanless chili. No, but this does make sense to me because that's all a sloppy joe sandwich is. Remember that one time I opened up a can of manwich and I expected to find meat in it? Sorry about that. <laughs> oh yeah, you had never eaten, had you ever eaten a sloppy joe before that or had you just no, never had manwich? No, I've never used manwich before. But when you think about it, that's what, that's what chili is. It's manwich plus meat. I mean, ish. Like, but manwich is, it's super vinegary and sweet. There's like a ton of sugar in it, but I guess there is like tomato and onion and bell pepper and spices. So like I can see how you would think it's beanless chili sandwiches. I don't necessarily agree. That said, just putting chili in a bun with nothing else on it is really delicious. Totally. It's good stuff. Let's see Big what's fan. next. Um, Logan underscore Carlson 26. All sauces are condiments, but not all condiments are sauces. Remember when we said all, rec- what is it? All squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. This is that same conversation. And, you know, I agree with that statement because condiments, you're right. You know, a sauce is a condiment, but a condiment is not a sauce. A condiment can be, you know, like a dry. Have you ever had dukkah spice? Uh, Egyptian oh, yeah, dukkah. That is, I consider that a condiment, but that's not a sauce because it's dry. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah uh, it's like salsa seca. Like For it's sure. like you know anything that can uh, add sumac. flavor to a food. Yeah, sumac. Sumac's a perfect example yeah. too. Um, but I don't know if all sauces are condiments because would you consider like marinara sauce to be a condiment? Would it you consider be. Alfredo sauce? But I don't know if that's necessarily true. If it's used primarily as an ingredient in cooking, I don't think you could like reasonably call it a condiment. The Supreme Court definition of reasonable is varied and vast. <laughs> go, but you go. I feel like I can, no, you can use it as a condiment. You could use, you could use marinara sauce as a condiment for a eggplant Parmesan sandwich. You could use Alfredo sauce as a, as a bread covering. <laughs> this is how I think of it. If I can put it in a sandwich as a spread, I consider it a condiment. Okay, hold on. But think about the eggplant Parmesan sandwich example. Right. If yeah. that eggplant Parmesan sandwich does not have sauce in it already, is it an eggplant parm sandwich? No, but I'm just saying the addition of the cold marinara sauce or hot marinara sauce adds to the sandwich aspect of okay, it. Okay, okay, but uh, hold on, uh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hot dogs. Is it still a hot dog if there's no ketchup on it? It is. Yes. Right? So what I'm saying is the the sauce is. An integral part no. of an eggplant parm sandwich. It's not something you would add on top like ketchup on a hot dog. The condiment does not define the sandwich. It amplifies it. But I'm saying an, an eggplant parm sandwich is defined by its sauce, making it not a condiment. Well, you know, we can deconstruct this a little bit. What is an eggplant parm? It is fried eggplant, cheese, and sauce. And if I want to add uh, more sauce to it... To make it more of a condiment, what's what if I swap out the marinara sauce and I put Alfredo sauce on it? So you're saying that there can be endemic sauces and condimentary sauces. For sure. Whatever endemic means. Okay. 
Okay, I don't exactly know what it means. <laughs> Yo, I got I got um, in-house suspension from school once mm-hmm. where like they just made you sit in a quiet room for 10 hours to think about what you did. <laughs> I just like forgot to bring a note from I would I would fake six so many times uh, from school that I just started writing my own notes and, and forging them and all that. I don't recommend doing that. But anyways, I so I studied like an SAT vocab book for like 10 hours one day. And that's where all of my vocabulary comes from. I don't know what endemic means, but I probably read it when I was 17 at some point. <laughs> so funny. All right, at Shuakor, I'm also from SoCal, so I have no cultural reason for this, but I have an unusual addiction to adding roughly a quarter teaspoon each yellow curry powder, garam masala, and cayenne to my chicken top ramen. My wife laughs at it. Please justify me. I think this is really interesting because... So masala, like curry powder doesn't exist in India, right? Yeah. Like the term mas- masala is just the term for spice. spice blend. Uh, and so all, all curry yeah. powders, I believe this is correct. Uh, Desi followers, please jump in and correct me. All curry powders are technically masalas that are different, you know, uh, mixes and all that. Yeah, there's but- garam, chaat bunch, like X, Y, and Z. There's an endless yeah, I When I left for college, my best friend Deep gave me, and I believe his mom gave this to me as a gift, a bag of something called sandwich masala. Oh, yeah. That is really, it's really popular in India just to like add as a condiment, which I guess is a good thing. Like literally just sprinkle it on a sandwich. And so I would like sprinkle it on egg salad sandwiches and it was delicious. That's cute. So this person's taken like multiple different, very heavy Indian spice blends and some cayenne for extra heat to your chicken top ramen. I bet it's really delicious. Garam masala to me, though, tastes like, well, at least a lot of the prepackaged stuff you get almost tastes more akin to like pumpkin spice. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally a very warming, um, very, very intense spice blend. I would toast it before I put in my ramen, actually. I would just put a little bit of oil and add and just toast it up just to really awaken the spices. And then I would add it to my top ramen. But this is a good take. That's called a tadka. I just read a really great article by Nick Sharma uh, about making tadkas, which is where you infuse the spices into an oil before you cook. And it's like the reason so many Indian dishes taste so great. So yeah, make a tadka. Yeah. And then add your top ramen to it. That's dope. And also don't let your wife make fun of you for it. Stand up for yourself. Yeah. Don't make fun of people for for food preferences unless it's funny and unless we're making fun of you and then it's okay. That's our job. (laughs) That's our job. (laughs) KayleeCat underscore XO says, I love salsa and a dash of sour cream to make it more creamy mixed in my mac and cheese. Hey, like I mac and cheese is like Wonder Bread. It is a blank slate. Do whatever you want to it and it'll probably be good. Just don't be weird about it. Like this is acceptable. A little bit of sour cream, a little bit of salsa. Go wild. That's awesome. But whenever it starts to get like really weird, like, I don't know, putting like, I don't know, what's a weird thing to put in mac and cheese? Raisins. Yeah, raisins. (laughs) If you put raisins in your mac and cheese, it's questionable. If you put apricot jam, I'm going to look at you funny. This is good. Apricot jam and mac and cheese. Hold on. Hold on. That sounds pretty good to me. No. No, it doesn't. Well, apricot, apricot jam would belong on a cheese plate. Why doesn't it belong in mac and cheese? Because I said so. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, salsa and sour cream and mac and cheese. That sounds really great. Sounds lovely. Okay, at Charles the Third, I feel that the LA restaurants featured in YouTube videos are mostly overrated. My girlfriend and I take little road trips, and while the experiences are good, the food rarely blows us away. We found some faves. Can you recommend any good eats? So I remember going to my first ever restaurant that I saw like featured on television. And I was like, oh, my God, this restaurant was on television. It must serve the best food ever because that's what (laughs) television and media does. It selects the best things possible. And then I went there. It was a place featured on Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. And it was like just a normal coffee shop in Fountain Valley. And I got an omelet. And I was like, yep, that's a regular kind of crappy omelet from a kind of crappy diner. Most food just kind of 
tastes the same in a way. And also the idea of hype, like you said, it's overrated, not because it's bad. The food could still be good, but you saw a YouTube video about it. So it rated it very highly in your mind. People say that hunger is the best sauce. I find low expectations are the best sauce. Go into every meal like it's going to suck and you're going to be blown away. I agree with that sentiment. I've always gone to places and I've had such high expectations that I end up being let down. I think that's a fantastic way to think about it. Go into it without any expectations. Just because it was on TV doesn't necessarily mean it's good. It just means that they got a pretty good break. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Had a good publicist. If you, What's the one restaurant you steer people towards when they come to LA? I don't know. All restaurants are closed right now. I can't. <laughs> I mean, in the in the pre-COVID times when restaurants were thriving, if someone said, I have one place to eat in LA, where do you tell them to go? This is going to be so bougie of me. Should I just say it? Yeah, oh, you got to uh, say okay. it. But you already talked about Louboutin I'm Hills. sorry. Uh, it's the Nomad <laughs> Hotel. Really? Yeah, I think it's fantastic food. And I think the service is phenomenal. And it's beautiful. And it's... I just really enjoy it. I enjoy the whole atmosphere. I went, I got wine, I got cocktails, I ate, I laughed, I cried. It was great. Nicole, I hate that answer so much. I'm you sorry. You have no idea how much it hurts my heart. I told. They're from New- Nicole. It's a New York restaurant. But they do such a good job here. <laughs> okay, what do you want me to say? Capital Burgers? <laughs> You're entitled to your opinion. I'm sure they're fantastic. I've never been. Though they did have a food truck where they served like a $12 truffle hot dog. Yeah. And that was really freaking good, dude. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, I would, I'd probably tell people to go like, go to Galagetza. Yeah, that's a good one. Get Oaxacan food. They have really good like mezcal program too. And it's something that's very unique to, you know, LA. And it's like a really historical restaurant. But no, you go go get a bougie $90 roast chicken from that hotel. You bully. <laughs> You're a bully. And on that note, thank you for listening to A Hot Dog's The Sandwich. We got new episodes for you every Wednesday. If you want to be featured on Opinions Are Like Casseroles, you can hit us up on Twitter at MythicalChef or NHendizada with the hashtag OpinionCasserole. And for more Mythical Kitchen, check us out on YouTube. We launch new videos every week. And of course, if you want to share pics of your dishes, hit us up on Instagram at Mythical Kitchen. We'll see you next time. Nicole's going to be rocking the Louboutin heels. Am I pronouncing that right, Louboutin? Oh yeah, Louboutins. <laughs> oh yeah.